Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we look closely at pricing issues in selling a business. I'm sure all business brokers and advisors dealing with sales are familiar with this scenario where they find themselves disagreeing with their clients on how much the business is worth. So I'm pretty sure today's discussion is quite a hot topic for all of our business brokers and advisors out there. And certainly, it's an interesting one for any business owner who's looking at selling their business into the future. And of course, joining me for this discussion is Zoran, the founder and principal at Exclusive Business Sales. Now, Zoran, like most brokers, started at the other side of a fence as a business owner who wanted to sell his business, who hired a broker to help him with the sale, and then realized he could do a better job selling his business himself. So I'm super excited to share this fabulous conversation with Zoran. So keep listening and we'll jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Zoran, thank you so much for coming along to The Deal Room Podcast today. You're welcome, Jane. <laughs> okay. Now, today um, we're going to kick it off by talking about problems with pricing. I think this is quite a hot topic. I know lots of brokers I talk to lament the fact that sellers who are coming in generally have unrealistic views of what their business is worth. But I thought it'd be useful today if we dig into why pricing can be a real problem and why it can be a problem, I guess, to follow a client's lead where they are sure that their business is worth way more than what you as a broker believe the market <laughs> is likely to value it at. So and maybe we'll dig into that topic today. But first, before we do that, I, I just thought I'd like to, in order to give us a bit of context, maybe talk a little bit about how you started exclusive and why you started exclusive and your business sale event in the background that sort of kicked off your broking firm. Okay, well, just about every broker that I met in my life actually started a career the same way, where they have a business, they try to sell it, they're not happy with what, uh, what they discovered uh, or, or experienced in the market and they said, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it better. And then they go out there and experience the market. It's true, isn't it? You're, you're absolutely right. Do you know what? You took the words right out of my mouth, Zoran. I was actually going to say that. I was going to say it's incredible how often I hear this story that a, a business owner has sold their business and just realized that they could do it much better. <laughs> so they set up a broking business. And tell us why. What were the issues? When I started my business, I thought it was a really original story. And then as I met other people, I found out it's not an original story at all, that everybody's done it that way. Yeah, yeah. What very quickly brokers discover when they go out there, the charging model that the brokers have is actually not justifiable. And a few of the guys that you had on, on the shows before talked about the charging model. And problem is, because it's coming from the real estate, inst- uh, uh, real estate industry and it's governed by the real estate industry legislation, a lot of uh, uh, brokers actually go out there and start charging these commissions. And it sounds really good. You know, some charge 8%, 10%, whatever you charge. 
and you think, wow, you're not going to make a lot of money. And they start thinking about it like a real estate. So then they go on real estate training. They get a real estate training. And real estate, it's all about listing, getting the listings on the board. But business broking, it's actually about the selling. And there are two distinct pipelines. One is working towards getting people on the market or getting businesses on the market. And there could be anything between you know, four weeks up to two years or three years before you, you, you'll talk to potential clients before you get them on the market. And then you have to sell that business. And there, again, it can be anything between six to six months to about three years. And uh, spoken to somebody who'd done the business broking for about uh, three years, an interesting thing that he said to me, he said, look, the last business that I sold was the first one I actually listed. So what happens out there when the broker goes out there and experiences this problem, well, you got to pay the bills, all right? So, so it's a business, you got to pay the bills. They start charging these upfront fees, all right? And that actually gets them through and pays a bit of cash flow before the commissions start coming in. So it creates this moral hazard that the business broker, when he sits in front of the client, that he knows that the business is worth a million dollars, who wants $2 million, he said, okay, let's have a go, all right? Fully knowing that he can't achieve that. But the pressure of the market and the pressure of economics and reality pushes him towards that. I think it's also the pressure of it's the pressure of your clients as well, right? Because there's been business owners come in, and I've seen it lots of times. You know, they have real certainty that their business must be worth this amount of money, and quite often that amount of money is based on you know the amount of money they feel they need to take out of it, not not a reflection of value marketplace. Yeah, there's a few reasons for it. One is that they price their business and bought business and, and they say that business owns me so much. So, for example, I'll invest, uh, you know, three years of my life and three hundred and four hundred thousand dollars and now business is not really worth that, but I feel it's worth that because I want somebody else to pay for my mistakes. It doesn't happen in real life, all right? Another issue why they got this unrealistic expectation because very often, first point of contact is the accountant. So they're going to go and see their accountant. And accountant's going to sit in front of them. He's going to look at the figures. And he's afraid to underprice. So what they do, they actually overprice the businesses. They use some very funny methods. But very often, they look at the, everything that they take out of the business. They put it, time it, times it by three because it sounds like a good number. And then they add the asset. And then they add the stock on top of it. And very often, it goes more than double what the real value is. So when the broker sits in front of the client and gives them realistic evaluation of their business and the realistic market value, they have on one side the accountant advising them double the value, and that's somebody they've been dealing and trusted for 20 years, and they've got somebody they just met who's telling them a million and a half. And that's another problem why people go on uh, on the market for way more than what the business is priced. But here's the problem, all right? This is what happens. Yeah, and, and that happens not just in uh, business sales, but if you're selling anything for that matter, all right? Let's say you're buying a house, all right? And let's say you want to buy the house and you've been on the market for six months. It takes you about six months to figure out where the prices are on the market, all right? And when the good house comes on the market priced exactly, you're going to go and you're going to be the first person that goes there because you already missed out on two or three deals and you want, you're going to go with your best foot forward. If the same house goes up 30% more than, than what the market value is, you wouldn't even approach, you won't even put the offer because there is not that urgency. When you see something that's well-priced, you want to be the first one because you don't want to miss out, all right? Now, 
But if you overprice that that house, it stays on the market after three months. After and especially now in this in this market that's going backwards, it's going to sit on, on the market for two weeks and then four weeks and then six weeks and then and then three months. And the first thing when you see something like that, first thing that the buyer thinks is what's wrong with it. So they don't even give it a time of the day to actually go and visit. I think we can all relate to that, you know, certainly. And and the property analogy is a really good one because it's something everyone can relate to. The houses that don't sell quickly sell very, very, very slowly, right? And they sell below the market value because after a while, you've got no other tools to entice the buyers to look at it than to actually make it a bargain. Now, I really believe that 80% of the businesses out there are sold exactly that way, all right? So if you want to do one thing right when you're selling a business, price it right. So get a certified valuation. It doesn't have to be certified, but get a really, really good valuation. If any broker or any accountant tells you a value that kind of seems to be too good to be true, probably it's not true. So the best way to go about it, ask them for comparable sales. So tell me three or four businesses that you sold, they're similar to mine, that you sold for this multiplier or for this value or whatever method you're using. And if they don't show you that, that's because they don't know, all right? They're pulling the numbers out of the air or trying to entice you to go with them, run. So most important thing is to price this business right. Like when we're selling a business tree, we do... Uh, quite comprehensive valuations of every business and we don't take them on the market unless they want to go on our value. And that's not because we don't want to waste the time selling them or we want to, we don't want to work without getting paid, but that's because it's the right thing for the person across the table from us. It's the right thing for the person that's selling the business. And uh, we, we know that uh, once when you go to your database, once when you go to your hottest buyers and you give them a call and you offer them something that's, uh, that's too expensive, they're just going to say no. So if I offer you something for 1.5 that you think it's worth a million dollars, you're going to say no, the price is too gap between value and, and the offer is too big. I don't want to offend anybody that I don't think they're serious about selling. If six months later I come to you and with the same business and said, look, we're going to expect a million dollars from you. First thing you're going to say, well, you're obviously talking to me because you've got no one else to talk to. So it's not a million dollars now, now it's 800. So can you tell us, I mean, I'm really interested to hear some examples of where you've seen this played out with very poor consequences. Uh, look, it, it happens all, all, all the time. It even happens when you price the business right. So I can give you a couple of examples. We're going to change the name and places to protect guilty and innocent. but. Uh, mainly guilty, mainly guilty parties. So this is what happens. Is there was a tourist attraction type of business that we were selling in, uh, in in Victoria. And we took it to the market for 1.2 and it was exactly 1.2 value. And literally, next day we had an offer. Well, not an offer, but we had a buyer who said, I'll pay the asking price. So the first reaction from the seller was, look, we underpriced this business. All right. I mean, why would somebody buy it in 20 20- for hours, something that I was expecting to go stay on the market for six months. So what happened? They said, look, they didn't accept that and they actually increased the price to, against all our advices, they increased the price to 1.8 million. Needless to say, the first buyer walked away. And then 12 months later, we ended up selling the same business for 900,000. Now, $1.8 million detracted people from it and it took about, took all this time for the for the seller to actually realize that the, the original offer, the, and very often the first offer is always the best, was the offer, but we had no ammunition anymore. And the only way to attract people to the market, to a business that was on the market for such a long period of time, 
is to actually make it a bargain and actually reduce the value. Now, this happens way too often, and any broker that you can talk to will tell you exactly the same. Like every broker and anybody who's dealing with people, account lawyers, really owes to their clients to really advise them properly on that price because it's counterintuitive and it's really, really dangerous to overprice the business. It costs them a lot of money. In this particular case, what was that? About $300,000 loss. Having said that, you know, they kept the business for, for a longer period of time, so they've got a profit out of it so they can justify that to themselves when in reality they lost 300000 Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's really sage advice there, um, and it's great. I really enjoy hearing these examples because it really helps to, I guess, give character to the point. Because you know, we, as I, uh, you know, said when um, we kicked off, it's the issue that I hear business brokers talk about, you know, so often that the issue of the seller having a particular view of the value of their business or in in the case, I guess, of the business that you were talking about here, you know, initially the sellers had accepted that they would go out at 1.2, but then suddenly, you know, they felt like they could get more. So, they uh, they raised that bar. And at the end of the day, look, the, the problem is the emotion is connected to people who've built businesses generally for a substantial period of time, put in a substantial amount of effort. And they feel like they need to maximise the outcome of that effort. But at the end of the day, you're also playing with the psychology of the buyers. I, I guess that's it. That's the real critical element. What well, you're going to be aware of also that the market or the buyers, like number of the buyers for any business is finite, uh, and it's much smaller than the real estate market. So everybody who lives in a house to live in, not everybody who walks the streets wants a business. And not everybody who wants a business wants your type of business. Not everybody that wants a business, your type of business wants a business where you are located, your size. So the market is much, much smaller. And, you know, I, I, I dare to say, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but I've got a feeling that for any business, there's probably about 50 people, and that's Australia-wide, that could be interested in your business to look at, not to buy it. And out of those 50, it's going to filtrate down to a very, very small amount of people that will actually make a move for your business. You have to keep that in mind. So you can't afford to miss any offers and you can't afford to stay too long on the market because urgency factor goes away from the seller, um, uh, from the buyer. So they, they, they're really not worried that business is going to disappear from the market if it's been on the market for, for, for 12 months. But if the business just comes on the market and I, I believe, you know, three to six weeks, first three to six weeks, that's the time that you actually do the deal because the seller doesn't want to miss out. If he misses out for one reason or the other because we couldn't agree on the price or we couldn't agree on the terms, if he go back to that same guy or, or girl, six months down the track, the power of the bargaining power is now in their hands, not in the hands of the seller. Yeah. So let's talk about strategy then. Let's say, you know, business has gone to market, uh, maybe A, the buyers aren't there or B, the pricing strategy has been incorrect. You, you don't get a deal in that first three to six weeks. Is your approach then pull it off the market, try and get in, say, six months? There would be one way of dealing with this. Pull it off the market, address the issues, and then go back to the market right away. But look, hopefully you do all the preparation you prepare yourself properly so that doesn't happen. So number one issue why people stay on the market, by far number one issue why people stay on the market for too long, it's price. 
all right? So if you price it right, negotiation is much easier, all right? And I'm not saying I price it under or below the market value, but price it right. And very often, if you price it right, you actually don't have to negotiate. One thing that people always do is say, well, leave the room to negotiate. Well, there's no need to negotiate if the price is right. Let me explain this to you through one example. Let's say I'm selling something for you for $100,000, uh, business or, or anything for that matter, and you really want it. And you're going to try to negotiate and say, look, I'll give you 80. And the only thing I can, I have to say if the price is right. No, I want 100. And if you really want this, you will come back and you will pay $100,000. You know what? You're not going to walk away something that's priced right, something that you really want just because I didn't give you a discount. All right? You will accept it. But the price has to be right. T- tell me in practice, how many of your sales then through exclusive do you think will go through without a sale price being negotiated, i.e. so the, the sale happens at the list price? Very good question. Look, um, <laughs> it is a good question. Every time you negotiate, but not necessarily just the price, terms can be negotiated as well. Okay. For example, we got about 27 points of negotiation that we do for every business, which is, you know, how long the owner is going to stay with the market, how we're going to value the stock, uh, what the restraint of trade is going to be, and so on. And normally the price agreement is done first and very quickly. So it's not uncommon that we're going to agree on the price very, very quickly and then spend three to six months negotiating all the other terms. Now, your, your question of how many of them, well, often prices will be asking for, but the terms are negotiated a little bit on the other end. So when you price the business, it's not just a well, main component is the price, but there's also what you're offering on top of the price or what terms or what training, uh, how the stock's going to be negotiated. And I think it's not just us, but every broker that is actually um, uh, encounters out there that not all the facts are given to us in advance. So we price the business under the limited information. And then once when you go, once when you go on the market and due diligence starts, you know, certain facts of the business are discovered that very often you have to negotiate in no other way but, but giving the discounts. So that's another thing when we're talking about like a strategy. Disclose all the issues. Disclose all the facts of the business at the beginning because something that's a thousand problem at the be- thousand dollar problem at the beginning of the deal, it becomes a fifty thousand dollars on the end. Yeah, and I've certainly seen that many times. I completely agree. So, so in my opinion, unless everything is disclosed, we should not get into due diligence. And one thing that we never do. If everything is run properly, we never negotiate, negotiate after due diligence. Due diligence is not there to, for the buyer to find other reasons to actually drop the price or, or, or get the better terms. But the due diligence is there to actually prove to the buyer that everything a seller told them until that day it's true and correct. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And that's why, you know, I guess as advisors in this space, you know, all of us are um, sing, singing from the same hymn, hymn book, which is get your ship in order before you, you get it on the market or be honest in your disclosures because otherwise you'll, you'll get hit after DD with requests to drop the price or you'll, you'll even lose your buyers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. See how I didn't answer the question, how many we actually negotiated on the price? <laughs> Look, you know, every deal is negotiated, but not not always the price is negotiated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd let you out out of that one, Zoran, but <laughs> I love that you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, look, are there any other tips that you have? Obviously, um, we can hear loud and hear uh, loud and clear that your advice is that you know for for the sellers themselves that they have to get realistic in the beginning, otherwise they're potentially opening themselves up for a long, painful process uh, as they slowly drop their price down to where the market is. And and I guess also for brokers and advisors out there, it's about the warning against being pressured by your clients into hitting the market with your client's determined price rather than a fair market, market-reflected price? Well, well, yes, don't be pressured by the client, but also don't use the fact that the client wants money as the opportunity to engage him because he's going to come to bite you later. And I really believe, look, you know, let's face it, a lot of that happens in the market. Whose fault is it? Is the client fault or the broker fault? It doesn't really matter, but it should not happen because it's not a good thing for the broker or for the for the seller. I guess you know if if you come from the position of um, playing a straight game in terms of giving realistic advice about the um, value at market. Uh, and you find other brokers aren't. Um, other brokers are, you know, more reflecting what the um, what the client's wishes for value are, rather than the reality of the market. Do you, I, I guess that must mean that you lose business to that at times. But does that business ever come back? We we lose a lot of deals that way, and that's okay with me uh, with, with us. And a lot of them do come back. Very often they don't come back because they're a little bit embarrassed too. <laughs> because they don't want to come back and say, you were right, I was wrong. So they actually go and look somebody, a third person. But like whole process actually ends up costing them money with engagement. And, and once when you're selling a business, it's really hard to be focused on running a business. So the business doesn't perform as well. And because it stays in the market for so long, even if we get a business after somebody else and we call them up and say, we call a strategic buyer and say, we've got to buy a business for you. He said, yeah, I know about it. It's been on the market for a year and a half. Thanks, but not thanks. Don't even want to look at it. And there was nothing wrong with that business except that it was overpriced originally. All right. So, yes, you do get them back, but I'd rather not get them back. I'd rather that every broker really, really values them properly and, and sells them. And it's better for the whole industry and it's much better for the clients that we serve. Mm-hmm. Well, Zoran, this has been um, a really useful discussion, I think, for all of our listening audience out there. If um, any of our audience are accountants who want to engage um, with you to talk to their clients about, you know, true valuations of their clients' businesses or indeed, you know, any business owners who are looking to sell there, how do they get in contact with you? Look, um, just Google exclusive business sales and you're going to find us or, or Google Zoran, the business broker, and I'll pop up there somewhere. <laughs> Zoran, the business broker. I love it. <laughs> Look, any accountant out there, if he ever has any question about the valuation, even if they're doing the valuation, they need some comparable sales, uh, need a bit of advice on particular industry, more than welcome to call us. You know, free of charge, we'll have a bit of a, a chat with, you know, colleagues. And same with anybody who's thinking of selling a business any time in the future. They just want to know a bit about the process. By no means calls us and somebody from the team will have a really good conversation and, and try to answer as many questions as they have. Because better uh, sellers are educated before they go on the process. And look, I'm not saying go there and read the books and do the courses, but get information. Talk with, to as many people as you can. Better they can control the process bec- and and more they can help through the process because uh, um, selling the owner of the business 
is a is a big part of selling the business. So you can't really separate them. So better they know what they're doing and what to expect, better results going to be for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's a fabulous note to finish it on. Um, Zoran, we're going to have you back for another episode um, to talk about the Australian Institute of Business Brokers. But for now, thank you so much for joining us today and um, look forward to having you back again. Awesome. Thanks, Jane. And I've got to go and make some deals, make some money. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Well, that concludes our discussion with Zoran all about pricing issues in selling a business. Next week, we're bringing back Zoran for another podcast episode, this time talking about the Australian Institute of Business Brokers, or AIBB, as they are known in the industry. And we'll just talk all about what AIBB is, what they do, and why you should perhaps consider being one of their members or partners if you're not already. If you're interested to learn more about business valuation or maybe discuss some pricing issues you are currently facing, you can reach out to Zoran and his team at Exclusive Business Sales by checking out our show notes at www.thedealroompodcast.com where we'll link through to their website. There, you'll also find a full transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. Well, look, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, please subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other favourite podcast player to get notifications straight to your phones whenever a new episode is out. Well, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room Podcast a podcast very proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Deal Room Podcast.